Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Shares for Beginners. Weekend Watch List. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we'll be taking a close look at an individual company, sector or ETF that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how experts screen for value. Joining me today is Claude Walker from A Rich Life. How's it going, Claude? Very well, thanks, Phil. Great to chat to you again. Today, we're going to be talking about IntelliHR. The ASX code is IHR. So this is obviously a human resources company. So tell us a bit more about it, Claude. Right. So IntelliHR is a small cap stock that's not yet profitable that provides software as a service, cloud-based software for the HR department of smaller or medium-sized companies generally. So this is software that will allow any organization to measure and monitor employee engagement, uh, sort of uh, map and track the organization structure, measure uh, staff sentiment, and also for a little bit extra, do things like automate the staff onboarding process, the departure workflows, all the things you need to do when someone's gone, certification, compliance monitoring. Of course, some roles need certain certificates to be valid or continuing education, and also analyze the turnover of staff to sort of figure out why people are leaving and perhaps even, you know, stop valued employees leaving before it happens. However, obviously, some of those functions would be more for larger organizations, whereas the actual software itself is aimed at being appropriate for smaller organizations too. So it's probably trying to catch some clients when they're in their growth phase, at least that would be the theory that I have as an investor because I do actually own stock in this company. So in your article, you refer to how people leave managers, not companies. So how does this um, tracking of employee satisfaction um, help with the running the human resources of a company? Yeah, well, that's right. So as you can imagine, and anyone who's worked in various companies would know that your experience can be hugely impacted by who your manager is. And one problem for organizations that are at least medium-sized, but especially if they're larger, is that they may not realize it, but there may be a certain manager who is continually inspiring their own underlings to leave. And so what you might see is over the course of several years, one manager may have lost one or two employees, whilst the other manager, eight different underlings have quit under that manager. And you may never know it as an organization because no one's telling you. Like For a lot of people, when they're going to quit, if they're quitting because of the manager, they prefer just to be all friendly and say, oh yeah, no, I've just decided to pursue my options elsewhere. And the organization never knows that the actual true reason is because the manager could be doing any number of strange behaviors that is very common. So they would include trying to take responsibility for good work that is done by underlings and not sharing out the praise. It could include passive aggression. Uh, And of course, some people just like to be able to boss other people around and wield that power sort of unjustly. And so 
that is what you're going to pick up in the numbers if you have software that's automatically tracking and can probably have an automatic alert that sort of tells you, hey, this manager is getting a particularly large number of people quitting. That might be something to look into there. So you can easily imagine how this kind of thing will be important and, and many organizations will use it. But an interesting point the chairman made uh, in, the, in the recent earnings conference call was he said, COVID has simply accelerated a trend around dispersed workforces and work from home. And this kind of tool, you know, the software that they're selling is going to become more important. So that's the optimistic case for why growth might continue. But as I think we're about to explore, you know, it's hard to know how sustainable growth is when a company is just at the very beginning of its journey. So we're talking about a very, very small company here. So let's look at some of the numbers and also explain. Again, we, we often we're covering uh, software as a service companies in this particular segment, but there's some key metrics in software as a service and, and key ways of looking at how these kind of companies operate. Talk to us about that. Yeah, great. So, well, since this is Shares for Beginners, I thought it's an excellent opportunity to first dive into the three main metrics that people look like that are not statutory metrics. They're sort of special metrics that is provided optionally by many software as a service companies. So the first one is annualized recurring revenue, which is often shortened to ARR. And look, this can be calculated in multiple different ways. Some companies use just the number of contracts that they have at the very last day of reporting. Other companies will say, for example, take the last month and times that by 12. So it's worth exploring that. There are some very aggressive ways to recognize it that should be treated cautiously. But generally speaking, most companies are talking about roughly the right thing, the same thing, which is basically how much of revenue do they have on a recurring subscription usually. So that's suddenly the case. It's that subscription revenue that TeleHR is talking about when it says ARR. And in its case, it pretty much grew its ARR by 100% in the last year. And now it's sitting at just below $4 million, so $3.9 million. Now, sometimes what people do is a kind of shorthand to compare the valuations of different software as a service company is they look at the ARR multiple. So how many times you know, is the market cap compared to the annualized recurring revenue? And in, in IntelliHR's case, at the current price of $0.27.5, cents, I think it's about $76 million market cap with 3.9 million ARR, that puts it on about 19 and a half times annualized recurring revenue. Is this kind of like a PE ratio, but for small software as a service companies, another way of valuating companies that otherwise would be very difficult to value? Yeah. So with all of the, um, you know, acknowledging all the flaws of these simplistic ratios and also acknowledging that, you know, ARR multiples are definitely at a risky end of the stable because you're talking usually about loss-making companies that don't make a profit. But yeah, it is a similar idea that you can compare the different companies based on their multiple. And generally speaking, you would argue 20 times ARR is pretty high. Like that implies that it's going to have some strong and beefy growth. It's going to have enough money to fund that growth. And you're a high growth company. There's going to be no excuses if it doesn't grow. It'll never justify its valuation at 20 times recurring revenue. Because, you know, ultimately, probably, you, you know, most companies are trading, you know, between 10 and 50 times profit, not recurring revenue. And in the case of IntelliHR, we actually saw in the last year, they lost about seven and a half million dollars. So cash burn, big cash burn. Exactly. So I guess 
touching on that risk side of things, that's the limitation for a lot of these companies because if you're looking at the cash flow statement rather than the actual loss, it burnt through around $5 million and it only has a limited amount of cash at bank. Um, I think about four at the moment or when it reported. So you can kind of tell that even though it's growing strongly, you could say with near certainty that it's going to need to raise more money again and issue more stairs. So that increases the risk as well. And usually you'd see the multiple be a bit a bit lower than 20 times ARR for a company that clearly needs to raise more money and it's still burning $4 million a year. It's got about, you know, $4 million. It needs to raise money probably in the next year, right? So usually you see a lower multiple. This one has quite high sentiment for a few different reasons we can discuss. I think the first most obvious one is that, you know, 100% ARR growth is a high growth rate. And maybe we'll circle back to the growth rate and importance of that later. But another reason that sort of put this one into prominence is that Bevan Slattery, who I think was a founder of a number of high-profile internet companies, he invested in IntelliHR at, I think, seven and a half cents, so at much lower levels. But that kind of put it on the map. And that was good timing because that was after the share price had been hit from the COVID sell-off last year. So these things have combined the high growth rate, Bevan Slattery's high-profile investment. They've combined to make the optimism fairly high around this company, but I still think it's an interesting company. But just keep in mind that sentiment is high based on that ARR multiple. So for any software as a service company, the important thing is how much it costs to get customers to buy the product. Talk to us about that metric. Yeah, right. So that's now moving on from AI, which is the most simplistic one. The next one of the software as a service metrics is CAC or CAC or customer acquisition costs. And that's important because basically before these companies are profitable, people look at the customer acquisition costs and then the lifetime value of each customer or the LTV. So to basically explain the purpose of these metrics, for many subscription businesses, and one would hope for HR software, once a company starts using it, they're paying $6 a month for all of their employees to have a profile on this HR software by IntelliHR, and they are using that to monitor their company. The company's data is now being housed in that IntelliHR software. You would expect for those clients to stay with IntelliHR for many years. So even though IntelliHR might only initially add recurring revenue of, say, $100,000 when it adds a new client, you can average the behavior of past clients and say, well, even though it's only paying $100,000 in the first year, most clients stay for five years on average. The lifetime value of that customer is $500,000, which you're going to get over five years. So what you can then do is also discount back that future money as well. But at a basic rule of thumb is, you know, if you've got $500,000 lifetime value of a customer, then you want to be paying a lot less than that per customer to acquire the customer. So what is the cost of acquiring customers in this case? Well, the truth of the answer is, even though they are starting to talk about some of those metrics at um, IntelliHR, they're not really going to be meaningful yet. So if we look at the last year, I think they spent $850,000 on marketing expenses and they added $2 million of ARR during that time. So you can tell as a basic rule of thumb, if they'd only spent 820K on selling and they more than doubled that increase in ARR, that looks pretty good. However, most of IntelliHR's expenses are just under employee expenses. And I think it's fair to assume that a lot of those employees 
are going to be supporting the growth as well. So I don't think we quite have a long enough track record and a steady enough state to really make great estimates about what IntelliHR's customer acquisition costs are. From what we can see, it looks good. And, you know, from what they report, IntelliHR reports in its presentations a little graph that says its total customer lifetime value, right? So this is its estimated customer lifetime value of all of the customers that it signed up. And in its report, in its presentation for its most recent report, it said that the total customer lifetime value that it had at 30th of June was almost $50 million, right? And that may be true, and it could be higher or lower than that. And that would account for a lot of the market cap of the company. But the point here is that we can't really know what a more sustainable customer lifetime value will be because until HR is so early in its journey, it's arguably getting the low-hanging fruit. It's finding the customers that are most suited to its product at the moment. As a general rule, those first best-suited customers will have the longest lifetime value and the lowest customer acquisition costs because they really are already looking for a solution very much like what the one IntelliHR is providing. So I personally don't put any weight on those numbers yet, but it will be a good and useful measure going forward to track for the company. How's it going in that regard? And that's also just intended as basically something that you can look at for all early stage software as a service companies. It's always something to think about. Generally speaking, a warning sign would be to have very high CAC and questionable or low lifetime value. So you can imagine the lifetime value. And sometimes the best way to think about it is just imagine you're the customer. So, you know, the lifetime value of a user of business software is probably going to be higher than the lifetime value of somebody who has a residential NBN plan because it's very easy to change NBN providers but it's not so easy to change your business onto different software. So presumably in this space, you mentioned how competitive this space is. This would be one of the main risks in your view? Yeah, exactly, right? So on the conference call and just generally speaking, you can tell that one of IntelliHR's selling points is that it is fairly cheap compared to some of the other HR software packages out there. Now, in some cases, that's because the other HR software companies may have much more extensive modules or they offer more than IntelliHR. But, you know, there's definitely an element of IntelliHR just being disrupting and being competitive on pricing, allowing people to onboard easily. And that means that, you know, arguably they need to make sure their custom acquisition cost is lower than, say, a big enterprise software company, which might have salespeople that will go and visit their big clients. IntelliHR is going for a lower touch way of growth than that. They do have a direct sales team. They're also going for reselling. And also, you know, there's sort of just self-service. You can go to their website and start trying it out as well. So that's uh, something to watch there. But the proof is in the pudding for me. And what I'm seeing is, you know, a, a very sharp increase in customers, cash flows, revenues, and ARR. And what I am thinking in terms of my thesis for the company right now is basically it is in hyper growth. It is in what I would sort of argue is exponential growth. And sometimes exponential growth can make a expensive looking company become cheap in the future. 
And so you still view this as something to put on your watch list. It's not a buy recommendation by any stretch of the imagination at this stage. It's just to have a look at how these numbers are starting to stack up over a period of time. Yeah, I th- look, this is a great watch list stock because it has actually been listed for quite a few years already. So you can go back and read all of its announcements. It listed before it basically had hardly any products. I think hardly any customers, less than 20, I think. You know, its products has come a long way since then as well. So you can actually see the development in real time of a software as a service company. And I think now that it's getting its revenues up into the millions, you can say, oh, look, there's a business there now. There's really something you can watch and track. And because it's so early in its journey, it's just a valuable education, basically. It may succeed or it may fail, but this is definitely an interesting company. And if it can keep growing its revenue at anywhere near 100%, you know, it will capture more eyeballs eventually. Like at the end of the day, if a company keeps growing quickly, more and more people will look at it and start thinking about investing in it. Whereas if its growth slows down quite quickly, then people will be like, oh no, they'll focus more on the losses, which are quite significant. They'll focus more on the fact it needs to raise more capital, which puts downward pressure on the share price. So those are some of the risks there that make this a more high risk investment. Okay, well, we'll put um, a link in the episode notes to your article about this from the Rich Life website. And uh, Claude, thank you very much for joining me again. Thanks for having me, Phil. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.